conversations that matter to you. We need proper representation. Time for Fridays with Fry. With Russell Fry on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. All right. And here he is. It's Friday with Congressman Russell Fry. Oh my gosh, you're official. I know, it's official. How anticlimactic was that? I go all the way to Washington, (laughs) D.C. to not see you get inaugurated. What the heck? You know, it took a little bit. I think it's like riding a bike, you know, it just took a little bit to get there. Talk about baptism by fire. Yeah, Friday at what, 2 a.m., I think it was? Something like that. I can't remember. And your kids, your, your, your son missed it. Your wife missed it. What in the world? Look, a little chaos at the front end of the Congress, you know. <laughs> All right. Also joining us in the studio is Reese Boyd III to join in on the conversation. Russell Fry will be joining us every other Friday at 735. So we're excited to have you here. So tell us a little bit more about that speaker vote. Um, it was historic. You were you were there for all of it. What did you think about your first round experiencing Look, that? Look, I, I felt good. You know, I always felt like, you know, I, I'm the old whip, right? So what I would do in the state house was I was I would watch people and conversations that would take place. And so this was kind of similar. So you're watching the floor. You know, most of the time in Congress, you're talking at somebody because nobody's in the chamber. But here, everyone was there. So you're kind of watching these things unfold on the floor. And I always felt from the beginning that we weren't far off. People were not far off. Uh, you know, the media sensationalized a lot of this, but felt like the the trains were on the track and knew that eventually we'd get there. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, I think, you know, the, the rules package was already really strong. Um, I think the only main substantive change was going from five votes to vacate the chair to one. Uh, but it was already pretty strong. And so, you know, we eventually got to a point where people were comfortable and then we were off to the races. You know, Russell, um, we caught a lot of, you know what, on our uh, PCRX Mobile Outfitters text line. And they were like, tell Russell, vote no, tell him to vote no. Did you get some pressure for that? I, I did. And, and I'll tell you, here was my thought process, right? So McCarthy, you know, campaigned all over the place. He earned it. I mean, look, last cycle, if you remember in 2020, we were supposed to lose seats in the House. And instead, we gained some. We didn't gain a majority, but we got close. And this time he delivered and, and and took the gavel. You know, I think he earned it. And I think people's frustration with McCarthy is part maybe McCarthy, but part really a frustration at prior Republican speakers. And so hmm. what what culminated from this was a discussion months ago, from what I could tell, about the rules package, about the structure of the House of Representatives, about things that people were frustrated about, that it was very much leadership-led as opposed to conference-led or membership-led. So... You know, they've been working on the rules package for a long time. And, you know, he was in the middle of that advocating for these changes, ending proxy voting, getting rid of the magnetometers, opening up the House of Representatives again, returning to uh, a thing called CutGo, which cuts spending when you appropriate more spending. You have to have an offset Mm -hmm. cut. You know, just really restoring the House to what it was intended to be, which is an open debate. Nancy Pelosi shut it down. She loved proxy voting because it really allowed her to wield more influence. So I think it, it really ultimately landed in a good spot for the American people. So proxy voting has gone away. Proxy voting has gone away. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. you know, kind of a novel I mean, concept that you show up to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get back to work. Yeah. But it's funny, I, you know, people, there were a lot of complaints uh, or a lot of drama, as you said, Russell. But I think it was healthy. I you was, know, people were too. saying there was more debate in the chamber. I do, too. During that 
I think it could have ended around eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we actually debated stuff. And I think you hit a good point about the frustration being with prior speakers. I think people got to the point, and I think it was the $1.7 trillion that finally pushed people over the edge where they said, look, we're tired of business as usual. Correct. Even if that means we have to stop if we don't do anything. And I think you're – but I think McCarthy is on the right track. He seems like he's – I think so, too. And I've always felt like just just watching him early in, in watching his dialogue and watching how he addresses the conference, I always felt like, you know, he certainly wanted to be speaker. But I did feel like that he was actually genuinely working on these things with, you know, conservatives in the conference to, to really find ways to set up the structure. I mean, you know, for years, the House has been very top down run. This makes it more membership. He, you know, the speaker certainly has a lot of authority. But to, for, for me, it, it allows average members like me to have a voice on the House floor to propose amendments. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't yeah. do that under Nancy Pelosi and even prior speakers. So, you know, this this is a good win for the American people and that we can actually, you know, like you said, Reese, debate issues in a deliberative body. Yeah. Imagine that. Right. Yeah. This is our first uh, Friday with Fry. Congressman Russell Fry is joining us live and in person. This is really exciting. I didn't know it was a big surprise. I wanted to ask you, though, um, first of all, congratulations on those big committee uh, seats yes. that you won, the Oversight Committee and the Judiciary Committee, working with um, Representative Jim Jordan on the Judiciary. And uh, we we love Congressman Comer, too. Oh, yeah. Um, so tell us uh, what what you're going to be doing on each of those committees and what are you working on? Yeah. So we, last week we, um, well, this week, what, what day is it? I'm, I'm losing track of days already. It's Friday. So this Friday. Week, it's uh, Friday with Friday. This week we were assigned uh, committees and I am thrilled. I mean, I had uh, dinner with Jim Jordan a couple weeks ago, Comer, the same thing. And I felt like I had a shot at maybe one of those and I got both. How is it that you got both? Like, what was the deciding factor for them? I mean, was it your work that you did here in the state with opioids and, and other type of... I think a mixture of both, right? So the, the weird thing is, and we'll pull back the, the curtain for a second. They oh, have yeah. a steering committee. And the steering committee is selected by, you know, it's part leadership, but part region. So South Carolina is paired with Georgia, and we have an advocate from the region. North Carolina is paired with Virginia. There's an advocate for that region. And so the steering committee decides the committees. They decide the committee chairs. Um, and we elect a lot of the steering committee. We elect our majority leader. We elect our NRCC chairman. We do all that stuff. So that populates the committee that selects the committees. Uh, that's kind of okay. mundane, but that's ultimately what it is. And you talk to people and you, you know, so I talked about prior experience in the state house of representatives. I talked about, um, you know, being a lawyer, these are, you know, the, the Judiciary Committee is the lawyer committee of the House of Representatives. Talked about the importance of, of being able to cross-examine witnesses and having courtroom experience. I think that actually lends itself here because you have to pivot so quickly. And you have some government bureaucrat across from you that is doing everything they can to stall and delay your five minutes so that you can't get your question asked and you can't get your question answered. So I think they were really looking for people who could kind of dive in and be nimble and, and move and, and effectively develop testimony on things that they're trying to uncover. I mean, we have a lot to uncover from an oversight perspective because, quite frankly, nothing happened in the two years that Nancy Pelosi was speaker under Joe Biden. They didn't, there was no oversight. And yeah. so there's just a lot of layers to that onion on a lot of issues. And, and I'm real thrilled about being, you know, from the border to, you know, the origins of COVID to some of the COVID money that was 
spent, why you know why it was spent in ways that it was. I mean, there's just a lot of things that this administration has really failed to have, deliver. Have on. they prioritized? Like, what are you going to be working on first? Yeah, so I think um, let me pull it up real quick here. I think with uh, judiciary, we're going to start off the bat with the border. I think we've got uh, border patrol agents that are coming in. This isn't Mayorkas per se right now. Um, it's people on the ground giving. Congress a sense of really what it's like. And yeah. I think that's important. I think the American people deserve to know that we've heard that a lot. We see it a lot on you know the news. But hearing from Border Patrol agents about what they see, I think is really important to developing mm. that testimony about what's not going on. Of course, we feel in our communities now, you look at the, you know, the escalating fentanyl overdoses that are happening. You look at rises in human trafficking, 5 million border crossings under this president. It's, an, it's a record number. And it's because, quite frankly, they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Mayorkas will come in and tell you that the border is secure. Correct. I mean, you know, and, and, and blame it on the Republicans yeah. for telling the cartel that it's open. Oh, yeah, it's all Trump's fault. <laughs> They're trying to say that it's open because you guys keep saying the border's open. open, it's open, it's open. But they're saying, no, we didn't open it. You just keep saying it's open. That's why all these people are coming. But we can see that it's open because yeah. things aren't being enforced. Right. Well, look, this is coming from a party that can't define what a woman is <laughs> that tells us the Inflation yeah. Reduction Act reduces inflation and reduces the national debt. And and now the border is secure. I mean, th- this is this is all th- this is the gaslighting that happens to the American people under this administration all the time. All right. So we I just a couple of um, real like rapid fire here. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so eighty-seven thousand IRS agents. Yeah, we that was one of the first bill that we had up on the floor last week. You know, the funny thing is, is, is Democrats say that, well, we this is this is going to tax. You know, this is going to affect the rich, only the rich. But here's the thing: under the CBO's own estimates, one point two million more audits per year. Wow. Ninety percent of the revenue raised will be for from people who make under $200,000 a year. Mm. Mm. It's not the rich. It's everybody. Right. Wow. Okay. So um, what, did you, is there, is that coming up? Yeah, we it's, devoted to defund that, kicked okay. it to the Senate. So that gives us uh, some leverage points. Okay. Um, so the House has, has so officially defunded. So it's still in play. The ball's still in play. Um, keep the nine. That's about the Supreme Court. Yeah. So, you know, and, and Reese, you know this. I mean, in the State House last year, we had a, a resolution that said, keep the nine. Democrats want to change the rules right now. You know, they don't like the direction of the Supreme Court, so they want to pack the Supreme Court. We've seen Jerry Nadler talk about this. We've seen a whole host of prominent Democratic leaders talk about this. Keep the Nine is a resolution that says we have nine Supreme Court justices. The the justices should not be subject to the whims of a of a Congress or a president that wants to alter the trajectory of the court for political purposes. Keep the judiciary independent. And so that's what the Keep the Nine resolution is. So we had a press conference about that last week uh, with Ralph Norman, a whole host of others, to introduce that in the House of Representatives. What happened with the Born Alive bill? We uh, covered this, that. You know, this is this is silly season in, in Washington, right? So it's amazing to me, well, on the pro-life spectrum, even pro-choice, pro-life, this is just common sense. People in states, if, if there is an, an abortion that's attempted and it fails and a child is delivered— there are some states that allow you to abort a child after they are born. And so this wow. puts a stop to that practice. And well, let me, let me just, can I just ask a question? Isn't that sort of a contradiction in terms? Can when you say abort a child after it's born? Right. 
We're not really talking about abortion after the child is born. Right. So it's it's termination of a life. Yeah. After, we're talking about after after killing conception, a child, or not conception after delivery of yeah. a child. It's amazing. And some it's states a, it's allow amazing that. how they twist language. Mm-hmm. They say you're able to abort the baby after the no. It's after not the baby, abort after the anymore. baby is born. We're not aborting anything. Mm-hmm. We're killing. killing. Right. Mm-hmm. So th- this puts a stop yeah. to that practice. Um, it's it's amazing to me that Will that's it even be successful. I think it could. I mean, strangely enough, there was actually one Democrat that voted for it. Um, I sh- there should have been more. I mean, mm-hmm. people people look at this issue in a whole host of spec. I mean, you've got people who are very firmly on the left all the way, very firmly on the right. You know, a lot of the American people, this is a reasonable request. People don't like this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to me, I think we should have had more Democratic support, but we didn't. I couldn't believe what Nadler said. When he I know. A, I mean, I'm like, where did these it's like we were talking about earlier, Liz. There is no truth for these people. Well, in all fairness, that was written for him. Yeah. He, he couldn't even make his way through the statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, more rapid fire for you, uh, Russell. This is Congressman Russell Fry. Um, this is Fridays for Fry. He's going to be joining us every other week. I wanted to ask you about the bill condemning violence against pro-life facilities and organizations. This morning on Fox News, we're, we're seeing a lot of coverage on that, a lot of violence towards people who work inside very dangerous situations, uh, buildings being lit on fire. Right. I mean, since the Dobbs, since the leak of the Dobbs decision. Which, by the way, they still haven't found the leaker. That's right. another story. That's, that's, that's something that I think that oversight or judiciary could take up to. Oh, um, that's good to know. Good. So... Look, since the leak, there have been pregnancy centers that have been attacked, pro-life people who have been attacked. Uh, and and you have an administration who has been silent on this. And and, and this, isn't, this isn't a political advocacy group. These are people who are performing services in communities all across this country. And, and health care. Right. In many cases. Yeah. And so this resolution, there was actually a few Democrats, strangely enough, that supported it. But the, look— Violence against pregnancy centers, against people who are who are performing jobs. You had Democrats that voted against that. And I just look at this and go, gosh, what in what world? Nobody likes violence. I mean, people look at anything and they say we don't condone the violence. But here uh, there were people who voted against that. Uh, it's it's really crazy. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about: the bans the uh, the bill that bans administration the administration from selling our oil reserves to China. Or businesses connected to the CCP. So oil reserves. Uh, This is interesting. So the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is used for emergencies. So when there's a disruption in the flow of oil, we can tap uh, the strategic. So this is like a hurricane, a natural disaster. Mm -hmm. We have lots of oil that sits there. It's a national security thing. It keeps things in check with the Middle East because we have our own supply that's already ready to go. This administration has tapped 250 million barrels of oil for a political reason. It was Mm -hmm. to artificially lower the gas prices to make Democrats do better. And we've seen that. He has drained more oil than every other president combined. Wow. Wow. China now Mm. has more. And And we're not making more to replenish. And and China has bought some of it. So this bill here says that if a president is going to tap SPR, they cannot sell this to China Mm. because some of this oil was going – to an adversary. Yeah. So, you know, that actually passed with with some healthy bipartisan support, okay. but uh, kicked it to the Senate. I think that's an easy one that the Senate could take up. Congressman can, Fry. Can I, can oh, I ask yeah. one quick? This is a real quick rapid fire. Are y'all going to look into 
uh, Russell, the January 6th thing and the 100 to 200 people who are still in jail awaiting a, a speedy trial? I, and, I, and I, then, I believe so. I hope that's something that's on the list, and I hope people will continue to I talk. believe so, and I yeah. think that's one of the the oversight uh, chairman, I think, has directed uh, his intention to look at that. And are we going to do something about China buying real estate in the U.S.? Yes, we right. should. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, there's a, that, that that new committee that was set up. That yeah. was we didn't talk about that, but yes, absolutely, we what should. What new committee is that? The it, it examines. It's a bipartisan committee on competitive with competitiveness oh. with China. Gosh, I can't speak. This okay, <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> um, what about the pandemic is over act? Is that something I haven't looked at that, but okay. it sounds pretty intriguing. Yeah, some uh, a Republican from Kentucky introduced that. Um, Brett Guthrie. Okay. Um, about uh, the, how the Biden administration extended the emergency declaration for the pandemic. Yeah, uh, top line looks pretty good to me just from looking at it. I mean, the, by the president's own words, the pandemic is over. So let's yeah. take exactly. him, let's take him at his word. And Title 42. So. He said it's over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Hello. All right. Congressman Russell Fry, what is the way that people can uh, contact you and... Yes, yeah, so we are getting everything set up, but right now follow our official pages at Rep Russell Fry. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a website at fry.house.gov. Visit it, opine, give us your thoughts, let us know how we can help you, and uh, look forward to serving these next two years. Well, thank you for coming in. Good to be we here. really appreciate it, and congratulations yes. on the inauguration and everything. You're all official. It's awesome. So thank you so much. Absolutely, always good. I, to I be sat here. up for it, by the way. I, uh, I said, oh, I told. If, if I was at home too, I totally would have. You know, that, that, that's like a that's like a nerd, like a proud nerd yeah. moment. I would have, you know, I, I do that on election night. I was awake too. I'm a night owl. I'm a night owl. I sat up. I missed it. Darn uh, it! All right. Well, uh, congratulations and thanks again. Thank you. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye, y'all. Liz Callaway and Nick Summers will be back in a few on Talk ninety four point five.